Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Water. I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing great, my friend. Um, we're going to dive into a few things in today's episode that I think are going to be impactful for every single person that's listening to this podcast. Now, that is a big, uh, bold statement, and that's just kind of yeah. how I'm feeling right now um, because of the re- couple of realizations that we've had recently um, as we kind of continue to build out fasting for life and the, the the conversations and the challenges and the courses and just all of the the things that we're, the, we we talk about this stuff all the time. I'm just going to come out and say it like this is literally less than what we used to in terms of our own journey, you're but right. more of how can we go and impact more people. So just a shout out to you guys, the listeners. Again, if you knew the podcast, go back and listen to the first few episodes with Grace. We ask, um, we appreciate all the five star reviews. Just incredible to think that we've almost 600,000 downloads now. We just broke yeah. the half million mark. So, so crazy. you guys that are repeat offenders that keep coming back for the goods, <laughs> we appreciate you. Um, drop some reviews. We prefer the five-star kind that tells the podcast gods. I don't know how the algorithm, Apple, Google, whatever Nobody things, knows. the things work, right? We just know that the more feedback and the more reviews we get, um, they like that. And that says that what we're doing, they want to continue to push you know, that out. And then that requires, I mean, that results in more impact, which is why you and I decided to start this thing in the first place. So today's conversation, I'm going to go back to it, is going to be a continuation from last week's episode, which is not something that we do very often. We don't typically do series or interviews or, you know, that type of like, we're going to lay out four things this week, and then four things next week, and then four things the week after that, because we really want things to be actionable. But we got shut off the mics after the last episode and we we're like, well, wait a minute. There's a few things here that we really didn't go deep enough on. And yeah. um, I want to start there. And then we're going to talk about a research article that involves milkshakes. <clears throat> and I'm going to mention the P word that ends in ZZA. And we're going to talk about it in a positive, encouraging way. So lots of fun stuff. And I think it's going to resonate with, uh, like I said, I think it's going to land something in this episode is going to land for everybody that's listening. Yeah, I think that's that's great perspective. Because um, as you said, when we shut off the mics, it was kind of like, okay, there's there's more here. When we were talking about long term success, how to build the the fortified walls that that protect our results, our, our weight loss and our health results, so that so becoming the five percent. If you didn't yeah. listen to last week's episode. How do you become the 5% of people that actually keep all the hard work and weight you've lost off, which results in better health metrics and a better quality of life? Yeah, we, like we literally turned on the microphones, like you said, for, for impact and to help people get results like we were looking for. 
And, you know, what's the point of getting the results if you're, if you're not setting yourself up for success to, to keep those results. So, you know, a part of this conversation goes into like, how, how do we have beneficial, healthy, long-term relationships with certain foods that we, that we enjoy, that we need, that we're going to crave, that we might be used to. And that and, might be part of our upbringing that might have yeah. social, it, like traditional family ties. Like, you yeah. know, there's, there's so many just different aspects of, of the connections to food that we have um, that it's just so important. To, that's why, you know, turn the mics back on. Let's go. Let's go a little bit deeper. Right. And, you know, because some of this conversation uh, comes from a point of balance, like we talk about life balance. And if if the plan doesn't fit within your life, it's it's never going to be a long term plan. It's never going to be something you can stick with because, you know, even if even if you have tremendous results, you you know, you've lost 30 pounds or 50 pounds or, you know, you've regained your health. Um, if you completely restricted something like a whole food group, let's say, or, or something that you love to, to get there, it's, it's going to be hard to find a healthy balance somewhere in the future, right? Yeah. So a couple things coming off of last week's conversation, we talked about challenges, the internal and external extrinsic and intrinsic challenges, right? One of the challenges that was listed in the intrinsic is trigger foods, right? So the fear, there's two sides, the fear of missing out on something that you love and feeling deprived. And then the fear of regaining and being around those foods and then eating the whole gallon of ice cream. Right, right. (laughs) So we don't want to ever live in a state of feeling deprived or in a state of fear of not being able to trust ourselves mm-hmm. around those certain foods or food groups. And a big one that's very pervasive in the fasting world or in the keto world or in the, in, in the, the weight loss world is low carbohydrates. So, so right. demonizing the entire food, the macro, we only have three macros, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> we've got carbs, we've got fat and we've got protein. Uh-huh. And if you're new to Tommy and I's journey and, and kind of how we, distill down the information and talk through it and try to critically think it and then turn it into actionable, like real life stuff. And then we go teach it and we get feedback and just kind of that, that's that life cycle of, of how we're continuing this journey. Um, we don't subscribe to one way of eating. We don't subscribe to low carb versus paleo versus carnivore versus keto right. versus dirty keto, whatever insert, whatever you want, vegan, uh, pescatarian, whatever it is, your lifestyle is your lifestyle fasting for life. You know, it's, it's the long term, right? That's why I love last week's convo about, you know, becoming the 5% that actually have the long term plan. And we don't want to just remove like carbohydrates. And the reason is, you know, even if we want to go from more of an analytical standpoint, the research, and we've done an episode on this, the long-term studies on diabetics and carbohydrate, low carb reduction. Um, not that I love the studies in the way that they actually created the meal plans. Like the, the numbers were still kind of off in our opinion. Right. I just remember being like, well, I'd like to see the protein a little bit higher, the carbs a little bit lower, the fat a little bit different. Right. But 
regardless, the overarching theme was that at the six month mark, there was decent results, but at the 12 month and the 24 month mark, those diabetics on the low carb plan put all of the weight back on plus more. Right. So the, the restriction or omission of an entire macro is not what we want. Right. And it can create that, that fear, that, that emotion, uh, that we, that, that we thought was necessary to kind of continue the conversation. Yeah. I like, and we, you know, we've, we've known people to successfully, you know, use low carb or use a, a carnivore or a, a vegan diet, you know, like there's or a keto diet. I did keto. Yeah. The first 30 days on keto was great. Sure. And, you know, some people find long-term success with that and that's, right. that's great. Like, and yeah, you can, that works for you. Yeah. And you can integrate that with, with your fasting lifestyle. And, and that's awesome because it's, it's fitting in your, you're, you're finding, you know, results and fulfillment from your dietary perspective within, within that, that, that realm. And so that, that's a good thing, but, you know, to, to say that you need to do, let's say carb restriction or very low carbohydrate diet to see results is, is kind of crazy, um, to me. And, you know, we, we see some of these things like popping up at like a, in the very beginning of, of challenges sometimes, um, or, or in, in our community or continuity groups, um, we'll, we'll see some folks say something like, you know, uh, carbs, carbs are good or carbs are bad. And, and like you said, to, to put such a broad stroke on, on one of the three macronutrients, um, is, is really overarching because carbs aren't the same. There's, there's a thousand different types of carbohydrates in there. And like, uh, you know, an, an apple is not the same as, as a pizza, right? Well, yeah, there's, there's so many different ways to ingest carbs, right? They all break down eventually into the same, the same things for our body to turn it into fuel. But here's a point for clarity, and then we'll go into the milkshake study, which I'm calling it now, which sounds glorious, all right. um, is that a study by Holt in 1997, Holt et al., looked at the insulin index, which is something that we talk about, the insulin index, the food index, uh, excuse me, insulin index, insulin-friendly lifestyle. Um, and this is the, the, the outcome of the study was that beef and bread had the same insulin secretion and fish and rice had the same insulin secretion. Mm. So if we're just looking at the macro of carb versus protein, then in both of those cases, your body had the same physiological effect. Now I didn't go into the, the minutia of that study, but the point of me saying that is we want to be focusing on the long-term plan for you, the individual. So if you like to eat fish, then let's figure out a way for you to eat fish and rice and, and, or beef. And, you know, let's say the P word that ends in ZZA, um, you need to put that in, into, into the plan while you're getting the wins yeah. under your belt. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently, um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old, has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child, and we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out 
um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to a hundred times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com, use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. Because if you you get results, if you get those wins, but it was in the complete absence of like a whole food group or a certain type of food that, that you enjoy and love and, or have strong emotional connection to, then that's, that's going to create almost like in um, like an elastic, like a, a like a pent up demand for it yeah. where, where, you know, eventually it's probably going to go like to get kind of overwhelming. And on the other side, it can also develop a, a sense of like, of fear of that food group because all of my results are now tied to never having that. And so I can't really see myself having it and enjoying the results. So we really have to find ways to, to work it in while we're having those results. So maybe small controlled dosages of the actual, you know, food while we're seeing the results uh, might be a a better balance point uh, than, than completely restricting or omitting them. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the, the the concept of eating clean and avoiding bad foods might actually make you fatter. Mm-hmm. Like that's really the underlying tone of what we're trying to get at here is that it's hard to avoid those foods that you naturally enjoy. If it's the family tie, the social aspect, the the corn dog at the carnival that you grew up having, whatever it is, um, you know, it it's it's been shown that most people who follow those restrictive diets do not succeed in the long-term weight loss goal. So the key is to develop the sustainable habits over time 
and moderate the consumptions of the foods you enjoy. So one of the things we talked about last week was in, in the, the monitoring piece is making sure that you're putting in the planning, the meal planning, and putting those foods that you enjoy that, that you, you don't want to feel deprived from into your routine. So right. because what will happen with the milkshake study is it showed that um, this was done by Herman et al. in 19, um, hang on here, uh, 1975, is that so the, the subjects, 57 people were randomized to consume zero, one or two milkshakes. Mm-hmm. And this was after they had already eaten. So these people were not hungry. They had a meal. They were presented with either zero milkshakes, one milkshake, or two or, or two milkshakes. And then they had an ad lib ice cream tasting session. So this means you could just ingest as much ice cream as you wanted. Right. So you had a meal, a couple hours went by. I, I like these studies. I want to go back to the studies in the 70s. These sound fun. Right. Um, and then you got to have as much ice cream as you wanted, right? So after what you happened, just had a milkshake, right? Yeah, after you, after you had a meal a couple hours ago. Yeah. So here's your milkshake. You get zero, one or two. And the people who had more restrictive dieting behaviors consumed almost twice the amount of ice cream after having two milkshakes mm-hmm. compared to the group that had zero milkshakes. Wow. So talk about pouring gasoline on the fire. But this was a clear, distinct line of the restrictive behaviors of the people that caused them to overindulge or binge on the foods that they had been restricting or omitting out of their long-term plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's another, that's another side of the equation. That's the whole, um, like I, I just had a little bit, I slipped up. I, I, I went down the wrong path. A little bit of regret or guilt comes in and Mm -hmm. I already had a milkshake or I already had two milkshakes. What's a little more ice cream now, right? Like I mean, there were, there were so many times when I made those same food decisions where everything was great and it was very black and white and, you know, following the plan Monday through Thursday was going great. And Friday night, it was kind of like, should we order a pizza or, you know, have something else? And then if, if we did while we were quote unquote dieting, if we, if we went ahead and got that on Friday, like look out Saturday and Sunday, like the, the diet didn't matter anymore until hopefully again. Monday, because it is like, it's like a slippery slope. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things that, you know, over the years, it observing that the people that who try to avoid the bad foods, typically end up caving and binging more than the people that just included them in moderation throughout the process. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was something I said, uh, that you were like, yeah, you've never said it that way before, right? It was getting the wins under your belt. Yeah. <laughs> Faster. Right. So getting the wins under your belt, it, it struck me as like, I know you've said it uh, probably a hundred times before, but you're literally getting the wins and those wins are coming in under your belt. And they're, you know, the, if you can get them in under your belt faster, then it, it just propels you that much further forward. Like you get the psychological wins, what you start to get the dopamine hits that make you feel good. Those endorphins come in too. And then that starts to replace those food-based endorphins and dopamine hits that we can get so used to, especially with our modern engineered foods. I really wanted that bad joke to flop. So <laughs> I probably set you up there. So for you guys listening that prefer Tommy, apologies. Um, cause I'm sure we have our camp of followers like, all right, 
Scott, stop <laughs> talking. Let Tommy talk right. and vice versa sometimes. So hopefully, I mean, I like the visual of the winds under the belt. I never thought of it that way. So anyway, um, you may be listening to the episode being like, all right, isn't fasting restrictive in itself by nature? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And it is to a certain degree, but the way that we see it playing out and the way that it worked for us was it allowed me to get back control and get off of the crazy weight loss roller coaster and regain train Yep. because it allowed me to use the other physiological benefits of fasting, which was the balancing of my hunger hormones, my inc- improved sleep and decreased brain fog, the, um, the, 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 um, for me, it was the stress component as well, yeah. where I would go to the foods and I would get out on a Wednesday and just go get the giant, you know, lunch and then have to take a nap to get back into the clinic. And what I didn't realize is my insulin resistance was building this entire time and throwing the scale and the equation even more out of whack, which made it the next time I tried to lose the 20 pounds even more difficult. Right. And this is that cycle where weight loss resistance builds over time. So fasting was the thing that allowed me to quickly regain control. And then like, I tell the story in one of the early episodes of how, when I first broke my first 24 and 48 hour fast, mm. I ate everything that I normally ate like in an hour and felt awful, Right, like all the protein bars and I had the popcorn and, and the, the grass fed burgers and then, you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So fasting in itself is restrictive, but it's, it tips the scales into a, a manageable way to get off of the insulin resistance, weight loss resistance kind of merry-go-round right and over time making sure you know you can put those foods into your window and even if you do fall off the wagon and go crazy with it the time that you went without food allows your insulin to come down allows your fat burning to kick up and actually you can still see wins while not being as compliant as you probably should have been to get the same result yeah and i i feel like for most folks that that also slowly at, at least slowly improves over time too because um as you as you continue to get those wins and you continue to see what that level of of newfound like control over the situation um whereas in the in the typical kind of dieting world at least what you and I went through we had a lot of learned helplessness as far as like the the scale and the actual you know diet and and losing the weight and keeping it off and so it, it kind of became to where, um, for me, you know, lose a, a few pounds, but then slip up once and see it all just come back. Right. So quickly that, that it kind of became like, well, what, what am I, what am I even putting all this thought into? Like, why, why stay on that same track? So it, it became a lot easier to, you know, get the, the pizza or, or whatever it may be. So fasting, I want to be clear, is is restrictive in its time, but it doesn't have to be restrictive in a macro food group or the foods that you love. And that's why I love the milkshake article. I don't know why I'm calling it that, but um, by Herman et al. Um, You know, the authors are saying less restrictive eaters respond better to internal hunger cues. Well, we know fasting helps balance those hunger cues out. And eventually the hunger goes away when you get more into a state of ketosis. You know, restrictive dietary patterns you know, 
contribute to less self-control when around those foods that you've deprived yourself from, right? Which is those so-called trigger foods. That's one of those intrinsic challenges that we talked about last week. And, you know, the eating behavior may, that may be successful for short term when your willpower is high and you're, you know, you've gotten to that point of frustration where you're like, fine, I'm just going to rip the darn bandaid off and do this thing. Right. Right. Um, and then the, the, what's actually been found is that the less restrictive behaviors um, that focus around the healthy habit and the planning component, which is that self-monitoring component that we talked about last week, um, has really been shown to set, you up, set yourself up for, for long-term success. So if you haven't listened to the episode last week, go back and listen to it um, as it's an overview of trying to become that 5% of people that actually are able to keep the weight off once you've lost it. Yeah, and I want to I want to clearly address something because if you're if you're kind of in the you know somewhere a little further along in your fasting journey and you're hearing this, um, you know you, you could be at a point where you've developed a bit of an aversion or or potentially even a fear of certain foods or certain food groups. And so you know we've touched on it a little bit in the past, but but to to be encouraging towards a long term sustainable plan. Um, start taking small pieces of those foods or food groups and, and working them back into your window. And you can start slowly at first and you can, you know, increase that over time, but um, that's going to, going to bring you to a, a point where you can see yourself long-term having a healthy relationship with that food or type of food um, and maintaining your long-term results as well. So you can, you can do that while you're still getting um, results now. Yeah, that's really, that's a really good point. Sometimes, you know, we have, we have a diverse listenership. So it's like, sometimes, you know, the, the, the long-term fasters, the, the people that have had success, um, you know, sometimes the more beginner conversations don't really kind of resonate. And then sometimes the, the beginner, uh, the, the experience, like kind of how to break through a plateau for the beginner doesn't really fit. So right. I love the, the, the idea here that just like fasting can apply to any preferred eating style, right? Yeah. Low carb keto, you know, paleo carnivore, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, the idea of building that healthy relationship of not being restrictive and not feeling deprived is really a huge component that we did not go into enough last week, which is why we're here today. Um, just to make sure that we're beginning with the end in mind with that long-term goal in mind. So I just love the fact that you know, this really applies to anyone in between. So I really appreciate that you brought that up, Tommy. If you are newer to fasting, you can head over to the website, thefastingforlife.com. You can download the Fast Start Guide. It's six simple steps to put fasting into your day-to-day life. Uh, and Tommy, I think that pretty much rounds out for today. Um, one main action step that I love that you just mentioned would be pick the food that you've been avoiding and go eat it. Now, mm-hmm. That doesn't mean buy the bluebell gallon ice cream. That means go and do something for you because of the success and the results that you've made. Get the dopamine hit from a positive reinforcement with that food that you've had the success. You've been good. You, you in a, in a way, deserve it because you're actually doing something that's right for you for the long term mm-hmm. and not just uh, you know continuing to restrict and omit your way you know, through the process. So get those wins under your belt quickly. Absolutely. All right, Tommy. Thanks so much, sir. 
Uh, great conversation. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you feel inclined, drop us a review, drop us a question, drop us a comment. Love and appreciate you. Tommy, as always, talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.